What's up, guys? From the heart of Montana, this is Carroll College's student podcast, Big Sky, Small World. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Big Sky Small World. You just heard the intro. My name is John Phillips, and I have a guest with me today. Guest, introduce yourself. Well, uh, hello, John. Um, it's Johnny Day here again, back on the podcast. Two in a row. Yeah, you're the first guest to appear on two consecutive podcasts. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good. You know, I'm I'm honored that you would invite me two weeks in a row. I was. Shocked the first time you invited me on, but a second time, good stuff. You know know what that deserves? It deserves an applause. Thank you. You deserve it, Johnny. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, as you can assume by the title of this podcast, today we are discussing Field of Dreams. We're doing another movie podcast. The last time we did a movie podcast was the very first episode which was on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're taking a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a spin, and we're doing a movie that is nothing like that movie. We're talking about Field of Dreams, it's as I better. mentioned. It's I would agree it's better. It's better. It is better. It's one of my all-timers, all-time favorite movies, Field of Dreams, <coughs> starring Kevin Costner. Um, what's the other guy's name? Kevin Costner. Dude. What? Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yeah, I know, I know. I had a hiccup. Chill. Right. Chill. Okay. Chill. Jeez. Voice of Darth Vader. I bet you're not going to know this actor's name. Hold on. I bet you're not going to know who this guy is. You know who Burt Lancaster is? No. Exactly. He's another famous actor in here. Johnny, you know who Shoeless Joe is? Oh, yes, of course. Ray Liotta. Exactly. Direct, yeah. er, actor Ray Liotta. Very famous. Movies like Goodfellas, other Scorsese films, I believe. Etc. And yeah, we are going to get into it. Johnny, is there anything else you want to say before we get into the movie? I'm excited to talk about it, honestly. I uh, oh, we should mention, Johnny, what is your background with baseball? The, re- the reason I chose Johnny, I should say, as a guest today is because he does love baseball a lot. I would say that's fair. Yeah. Favorite sport. Favorite sport. Love Go to ahead. talk about it. Yeah. So. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I played uh, throughout high school. And so. I watch it all the time. Uh, I'm a big MLB fan, college baseball as well. Um, and so I, it's uh, good to be on here to talk about it, talk about what I love. Who's your baseball. favorite uh, Major League Baseball team? The Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. So lots of lots of you viewers out there might not approve of that. but <laughs> Yeah, I this has always been one of my favorite movies of all time. And for a while, I never had any desire to watch baseball. I thought it wasn't that fun to watch. And Johnny's over there like, I'm about to beat you up. And I never really liked baseball, watching baseball at all. But it's kind of odd. Recently. It's a disgrace. I know. Recently, though, I've randomly got into college baseball. Division One college men's baseball. Johnny knows this. I watched a lot with him last spring. And my favorite baseball, college baseball team is Vanderbilt. Go Vandy. Go Commodores. They lost last year in the World Series, or College World Series. It's okay. We we won two years ago, the last he, season. Dansby Swanson just won a ring, though, with the He Braves. did. He did. Former shortstop. Yeah. And then another guy won. There was two Vandy players on Atlanta that were, that obviously oh. won. Yeah, there was two of them. I can't remember the name of the other guy. Nice. But, yeah, that is my history with baseball. Very recent history, I should say. But the nice thing with this movie is, right, it's not, it's really not, it is about baseball, but it's not. You get what I'm saying? It's also about family. Yeah. It's also about family and memories and regret. It's just a good overall story. It's just a good overall story. Exactly. Not just focused on one aspect of something. No. Many, multiple. I think if this film was directly focused on baseball, it wouldn't have done as well. If it was just focused on baseball, I don't think it would have done as well. And I think if it was just focused on the other half, it wouldn't have done as well. Yeah. I, I think agree. it's nice that we have a, a mix, and it works really well. One of the findings that I've that I've that I came to find out with this watch, 
and through other watches of Kevin Costner, well, throughout my time with Field of Dreams, is Kevin Costner can truly pull off being a baseball player, baseball fanatic. Bull Durham is a great example, and this film. I love when, in the film, when when he meets Shoeless Joe for the first time, and Shoeless Joe asks him, like, can you, can you pitch? Can you, can you uh, hit me some balls? And he does all that, right? He throws it up and... Yeah, he looks like a natural. He does. Right. You were telling me that. Yeah. It's yeah, like he does. It's like he's done it before. Like he's done it before. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, Johnny. Actually, he did do it before. Kevin Costner or Ray? Kevin Costner. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he tried to make it on... He tried to walk on to his college baseball team. The, the oh. baseball team of, his, of his, the college you went to, but... I did not know that. Didn't get it. It's okay, though, because we've gotten some great baseball movies from him. Yes. Turned so... to be a good baseball actor. That's right. Other than player. Other than player. So, worked out. Yeah, I haven't seen Bull Durham yet. You have. It's, I've heard it's really good, and I have to watch it. So... But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Phil Dreams. I've also come away with the fact that this is a really fast film. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand that. I understand where you're coming from. A lot of the plot moves really quickly. It it's a great movie for those who aren't quite patient enough to sit through a longer or movie or a movie that is developed slowly. It's really it's a really good family movie, in a sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. But it's not like the family movies we see today, where there's some kind of cliche stuff. It's really. It's different, which makes it good. It, it, it is. You don't see family movies like this today. You would, if, if there was a family movie today, the daughter in the in in this case in this film would have more a bigger role in it if it was more if if it was a family movie of today, for example. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a good it's a nice family little flick. It's extremely charming and sweet, and obviously that helps with it being a family movie. I love, I love when the daughter asks Shoeless Joe if he's a ghost, and Shoeless Joe responds with, "Well, what do you think?" And she says, "I think you're real." And Shoeless yeah, Joe looks real. Yeah. Shoeless Joe is says, "Well, then I must be." It's just really charming and sweet, and I just love it so much for that reason. And of course, we have some really iconic quotes. If you build it, he will come, being the most notable. It's ranked in, like, the mid-30s for American Film Institute's top quotes of all time. 39. 39? Exactly, yes. Johnny is backing me up here. Johnny, I appreciate that. Yep. It's also misquoted a lot. You uh, hear people say, uh, if you build it, they will come. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So It's kind of like the— You've probably heard me say that before as a joke or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember you saying that as a joke, but, yeah. Uh, people misquote it a lot, so fun fact. I did not know that. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know what the Mandela effect is? I think that's what it's called. Okay. The Mandela effect is is essentially where you think something that's iconic was said this way or looked this way, but it actually looks the other way. For example, people think the Monopoly guy has a monocle, but he really doesn't. Like oh, a little yeah. eyeglass, but he doesn't actually. Yeah. Stuff like that. So that is interesting. I didn't know that. Very cool. Johnny, who is your favorite? I mean, obviously Ray is is big, but who's your favorite, I guess, supporting actor in this film? Are you Ter- you Terrence Mann kind of guy? James Earl Jones, Archibald Graham, Burt Lancaster? Uh, if you had to pick, I mean, she was Joe Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, that's I, fair. I mean, I have to go with him. Yeah, Ray Liotta. Um, I mean, I just like kind of his his story, you know, of uh, how he, you know, he got suspended from playing baseball, and then he comes back on this field that's built on a farm, and like, and you see it when he first shows up, he's just kind of in awe of what's like what's around him and everything and his surroundings and the field. And so I just kind of like how he is portrayed the whole movie in that sense. He's just like, seems happy to be there. You know what I mean? He does. It's like, this is cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I have to go with him. And that's why the quote, the first we get the other famous, one of the other famous quotes, is this is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Oh, yeah. We get it from that same train of, of thought yeah. and emotion. Mm-hmm. 
One thing you also brought up, which obviously is kind of one of the main parts of this film, is I liked how they incorporated real-life events with this fantasy aspect of the film. Because the the White Sox scandal was real. Yeah. You and I have talked about this before, where all it's none of them have confirmed it, to my understanding. None of the baseball players have outright said that that's what we did. But there's a strong suspicion, and the, and the White Sox did get in trouble, that, for those that don't know, the White Sox players, the White Sox were, like, guaranteed pretty much to win. That Everyone was betting hard on them. And people, and then they lost. Like, they, they just totally went against everything and lost, even though they should have most definitely won the, the World Series. And a bunch of people lost money. And essentially, the MLB, I, was it called the MLB at the time, Johnny, or was it something different? Do you, do you know? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Either. Um, Whatever league it was, they were like, this is fishy. And they ultimately fined a lot of them, I believe. And a lot of them stopped, were banned from baseball, including Showless Joe. And obviously that's the premise for this film is that he's giving them a field to, he makes a field for them, which we ultimately find out the field was made for his dad, but makes a field for them to play after all being banned. A lot of them being banned. I would say my favorite character, Johnny, low-key, is probably, whoops, is probably Archibald Graham. Oh, really? He has my favorite quote in the film. Favorite quote. I'm not saying it's the best. People, don't, don't don't go full rage monster on me. If you build it, he will come is obviously the most iconic quote in this film. I'm not disputing that. But my favorite quote in this film... It's Archibald when he and Ray are talking about how he had that one inning, half an inning that he played. He only got to play a half inning. Yep. And he was kind of emphasizing and describing what that felt like. And this is where my favorite quote comes in. He says, it was like coming this close to your dreams and then watch them brush past you like strangers in a crowd. It's deep. It's very deep. It's so deep. It just hits you so hard, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to need a breather for a second. Yeah. Th- there are many quotes like that in this film that really hits you, but this one for me hits me the most, and it's why it's my favorite. Johnny, favorite quote? While we're on the subject, I might as well— Oh, actually, sorry. Before we go to your favorite quote, I want to also talk about just why, like, other reasons why I like Archibald Graham. I just like the premise around him— and the the whole idea of thinking about how many people he saved because he was only able to play that half inning. And yeah, he became a doctor. Obviously. He became a doctor because of it. Yep. His dialogue is great. He's just so personal and so wholesome of a character. All the characters, quite frankly, plenty of the characters in here are wholesome. But he just has that charm. And there's something about it, the mystique. Of him as a character really gets me. Favorite quote or response to Archibald Graham? Thoughts on Archibald um, Graham? I mean, I think it's interesting you chose him as your favorite character. Okay. I mean, obviously he plays like a, well, I guess I'd call it like a, almost like a tertiary role. Mm-hmm. Is that correct word usage? Like not primary, you know, I wouldn't call him one of the primary characters. No, he's supporting. Yeah, he's supporting like tertiary kind of character. Um, I mean, obviously, he comes to play a big part because he saves the girl in the end when he becomes uh, the old doctor guy again. Um, but I just, I mean, I, I find it interesting you chose him as your favorite, you know, because he's, he's not one of, like, the top top actors, but he, his, his role is nonetheless still important. Um, and so, but I but I can I can get on that train and respect that, yeah. Good. But. Yeah. He, we, we can also get into your comments about the that scene. Johnny, you brought up an interesting point while we were watching the film. Why didn't they just bring the girl? Well, let's set up the scene. So essentially the girl is eating a hot dog, and Ray's brother-in-law essentially picks up Annie in frustration because Ray will not sign the papers to hand over the land. And Ray grabs, tries to grab hold of her, and she ends up fall, falling over the risers mm-hmm. where they're, they're sitting, the stands, yeah. on the ground, and is essentially choking on a hot dog. And Archibald Graham 
who in this scene is a really young boy. They pick him up as a hitchhiker on the, on the road, on the highway. Realizes his call is needed. He is needed. And ends up going across the baseball field into the stand area, thus bringing him back to his older form and also not allowing him to ever play baseball again in the, on that field. And so he ends up slapping her in the back and the hot dog, because he's a doctor, and the hot dog comes out. But Johnny, your your point was, well, couldn't they have just brought the daughter over to the field, onto the field? Which is which makes sense. Yeah, it, I, it does make sense, though. I, I see that train of thought, and you're yeah, like, and I was like. I don't know. I mean, like you said, you you, you kind of tapped me, and we're like, it's just a movie. You know, it's it, a movie, which, yeah, okay. It's one of those. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things, like, I mean, obviously, the whole movie's like, you know, not like completely real in that sense, like, you know. Um, but they just could have could have brought the girl over to the baseball field then I don't know. I mean maybe my guess to that would be the young guy doesn't he's not a doctor, so he wouldn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Because when he steps over the line or into the rocks in the movie um that they have, uh, he becomes old again and he's like the doctor that knows all this doctor stuff. And he's smarter, uh, of course. So maybe when he's like the younger boy, he doesn't know this stuff. So maybe that's why. Like he had to. Uh, that would just be a kind of hypothesis, you know? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I know. I mean, it just came to me a couple minutes ago, John. That's kind of like, genius, Johnny. Maybe. And yeah, maybe he. Uh, he wasn't smart enough. Like he didn't have his whole doctor kind of mind um, as a younger boy. So he wouldn't know what to do, but when he saw the little girl uh, fall, he said, "You know, I'll go over. Maybe I'll." I mean, but like, how how do you know? He probably didn't know that he would turn old. Do you, like, do you think he knew? He knew because he had that hesitation. Yeah. Remember, okay. he he was running and then he stopped right at the rock between the yeah the 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 rocks the rocks. Yeah. And, yeah. So I mean, yeah, maybe he just. Uh, got up there and was like, okay, when I do this, I'll become old and smarter, and I'll be able to save her. But right now, I'm not. I don't know. That'd just be kind of a guess. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I didn't even think about that, Johnny, as I mentioned a little earlier. That's actually kind of genius. Good point. I think that's probably, that is why. Mm -hmm. I would say that is why. I don't know. We don't know for sure, obviously. We don't know for sure. But it just... uh, in general, it just holds it. It holds up the mystique and the charm and the fantasy aspect of the film. So it just makes sense for it to keep for it to do that. Yeah. But I said my favorite quote, Johnny. Do you have a favorite quote? If you say "If you build it, he will come," that totally makes sense. Or if you say other another famous quote, that totally makes sense. That just happened to be mine. Um. <clears throat> well. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably go with the, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa quote. You know, it uh, was said quite a bit throughout the movie. Um, I don't know. I If I had to pick another one, maybe besides uh, if you build it, he will come. But, it just hits different. Yeah. And also, this, this quote is between two people as well, you know, a conversation, um, you know, and the Shoeless Joe Jackson and Obviously, John Kinsella at the end, they both say it. His dad. Yeah. Ray's dad. dad. Yeah. Um, they both ask, is this heaven? And uh, Ray says, no, it's Iowa. And then in the conversation with his dad, uh, Ray, didn't Ray say something like, um, what's heaven like? And then the guy said like this. And so, um, I don't know, I thought that was a good. Yeah, Ray asked. What is heaven like? Yeah. And his dad says it's where all your dreams come, come true. true. Kind of like what they're seeing right now in the field, yeah. And so Ray is thinking, well, maybe this is heaven. That's a, that's just another... Yeah. There's so many great exchanges in this film, and that's just one of them. It's just... It feels so... This film has a nostalgia to it after you watch it a few times where it, it just hits you like no other movie has hit you before, in my opinion. 
if you actually fully embrace this movie and you actually think about the things that are going on, I mean, obviously it's not a movie. It's not everyone has to have this movie in their top 10 or top 15 or top 20 greatest movies or favorite movies of all time. I'd say otherwise. But I, I would agree. But bias. But there are other people. There are people that don't have it. But I at least would like them all to experience this movie once because it just has that family, that charm, that mystique, those themes that you just don't get with other movies these days. And you didn't get with a lot of other movies at the time. I always say it's one of those it's one of the few movies that actually makes me cry on a consistent basis. Really? Oh, dude. So you've never seen Hachi? Have you seen Hachi? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Hachi makes me cry. Okay. It's, yeah, it's completely different uh mm-hmm. it genre is. movie. Right. Yeah, it's it's about a dog. I'm getting off topic. I've I've heard of the story. I've yeah. heard of the story. It's very sad. Let's just say that movie makes me cry. And while we're on Topic of dogs and movies. Marley and Me is also one that will make me cry. Okay. So. What's your favorite dog movie, John? Oh, uh, Marley and Me. Johnny. Marley and Me. Marley and Me. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's my, sad. Okay. This is this is not a sad movie, but I think my favorite dog movie has to be Homeward Bound. Actually, it is kind of sad at some parts. Have you seen Homeward Bound? No. Dude, that was a childhood movie of mine. It's about these dogs that get separated from. I can't remember if they either, it's been a while since I've seen it. They either get separated or they decide to go on an adventure. And they go on this adventure across all these miles of of land in America. And they eventually reunite with their family. But there's a lot of perilous journey stuff along the way. And it's really fun. It's a really fun movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but that's probably my favorite dog movie. Random sidetrack there, but yeah, <laughs> there's get, our favorite dog. Back to, back to Field of Dreams. <laughs> those, are, those are our favorite dog movies. What was I going to say before this? I was going to say, what were you talking What were we talking about before the dog movies? You said, what did you say? Oh, right. I was saying how uh, this movie makes movies, me cry a lot. Yeah, cry. What gets me is the catch when Ray asks his dad if he'd like to have catch, if he'd like to play catch with him. Yeah. Would you like to have a catch? And yeah. Says I'd love that or something. Love that. Too. They're both teary eyed. Their facial expressions, the setting, it's like a sunset. Yeah. They're, it's just it's a beautiful it, scene overall. Beautiful. It's just a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. They're together on the field all by themselves after this, after a lot of this turmoil in their relationship, right? Basically through most of their relation for most of their lives because Ray, remember, left home when he was 17. He left his dad when he was 17 because his mother died young. The montage at the beginning, the narration at the beginning mentions this. His mom died young, and it was just his dad. And he left his dad at 17, never really talked to him ever again. And it just, the culmination of everything, man, that brings me to tears. Really good. There's a few other moments that really hit me hard. I mentioned the strangers and, like, passing like strangers in the the night or whatever with Archibald's quote with the inning. That one really hit me hard. As well, but that one really, that moment truly makes me, makes me cry. Mm -hmm. Moving on, you brought up an interesting point while I was discussing this, Johnny, is the cinematography, like the shot, well, just the setting, but I also wanted to preface, uh, talk about the cinematography as well in this film. Aged very well. Yes. Aged very well. It's a movie that normally in today, if this movie was made today, the cinematography would be meh. Like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't think about it. They'd be just like, okay, we're going to get this shot here. We're going to get this shot here. We're going to move here, move here. But it is truly, it's kind of one of the underrated parts of this film, I think. Because everyone remembers the quotes. They remember a lot of the character stuff. But, and rightfully so. But I think the cinematography should be pointed out, too. A lot of beautiful shots. The setting, of course, is beautiful. When they're playing baseball, the camera work's all great. The editing. My gosh, there's some great editing moments in here. The the part where Ray goes from Iowa to Boston to find Terrence Mann. They have that super clean edit where he goes from the all the trees into the city. It's absurdly clean. One of the cleanest edits I've ever seen. But... Yeah, the cinematography, editing, all primo, and then the score. That's that's yeah. some good stuff. I mean, uh, I I love the 
I just love the music overall, everything they use for that. Um, it really fits the movie well, and uh, kind of makes it even, even all look better and come together in a sense. Um, and just, just like, goes well. It's perfect. It makes the movie more magical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, it's like you know, you have the Star Wars and Indiana Jones like songs and like theme songs. Um, they just go with it. Like, kind of the same. Same instance here. Agreed. It's not... Kind kind of highlighting what you were saying, Johnny, and I think you were going with this, too, is it's not... A, the score isn't heavy for a lot of this film, but when it's heavy, it really hits hard with the scene that it's... It's, it's going with. It's going along with. And at plenty of other points in the film, it's very light, quieter, honestly... And fewer notes, and that just it just works so well, and it is incorporated so well into the film. It's one of the few scores for me that always, when I think of a movie, I immediately one of the things I immediately jump to is the score with the scenes, that yeah, sort of how thing. They match up very well, yeah. Other movies all, all say, "Oh, well, the score's good, and this scene, these scenes are good," but for me, it's almost like a combination of the two. Like I can't think of one without the other. They just, yeah, they just mesh so well. I kind of associate this score almost with like a mix of a river, the River Runs Through It movie and October Sky movie. I kind of, okay. those two scores of those films, yeah, re- yeah, they I get resemblance to this, but not all the way. I should preface that by saying this score is totally unique because obviously if it wasn't unique, I wouldn't quite have the association that I have with the scenes and the score, but I, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, talking about that and how you said, uh, like, the cinematography and all that stuff and, like, scenery um, was all, like, it seemed perfect, you know? Uh, one thing that I heard a while back was that the grass on the field, it was actually, like, painted. So, uh, I was going through a drought at the time, the movie. Okay. So, grass was dead, so they had to, like... They had to plant fake grass, or like they had to plant real grass or something, or do fake grass, something like that. Really? They like they painted it. They dyed the grass, green vegetable dye and latex turf paint. That's what they used. Huh. <laughs> Fun fact. Wow. So, I yeah, <clears throat> I never noticed that. Well, I mean, I guess you, they don't want you to notice it. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't notice it honestly, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing because then yeah. pe- that'd be one of those. Easter eggs or those points in the film where it would be on one of those YouTube lists of look at this obvious error or obvious whatever yeah. in this film and be like a watch mojo thing. Yeah, no, that's just something I've uh, found kind of kind of cool, I guess. Um, and I, I, I've always kind of known it. I just forgot about it. And so I just had to look it up a while ago. I was thinking about it. So I uh, did find that it was true. Hmm. Along the same lines, maybe we'll go into a little trivia corner here. But along the same lines, did you know that Ray Liotta has never seen this movie? Yes. Oh, you have seen that. I you have, have heard that. I have heard of that, yes. Gosh darn it. Johnny's up on yes, me. He has never actually watched it. Yeah. No, he hasn't. Cool. And it's not because he doesn't like the film. He was just having a bad time outside of the film Yeah. while making it. So Makes sense. It's associ- it does make sense. He's associating bad memories with it. Yeah. Another one of my favorite bits in this film that is very uncharacteristic of a lot of the other parts of the of the film and the dialogue is when Ray and Terrence Mann are in the car and Ray is talking about why he has this disconnect with his father and he says and it officially came to an end or whatever when I read the Boat Rocker by Terrence Mann and Terrence Mann just loses it. A little it. humor right there. Yeah. A little humor that we don't really get a lot in the film. There's there is very few bits of it. And I just like that because it's, it's, it's offbeat with the rest of the film. It just stands out and works really well. And there's also just comedy with Kevin Costner's first scenes and Ray's first interaction with Terrence Mann, right? Where he ends up pulling out the fake gun on Terrence Mann to get in. And he, yeah. ha- and he has the gun, he has the gun in his coat pocket like this. And then <laughs> Terrence Mann co- turns around and grabs a crowbar. 
and lifts it up and is trying to hit him. He's about to hit him with it. And there's just a lot of comedy in that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, kind of humorous part. Mm-hmm. That we don't get a lot of. Yeah. Johnny, do you have a favorite scene in this film in particular? Hmm. Or favorite section? Because in all honesty, I mean, obviously all the film is great. I don't have any gripes with it. Obviously I don't. I'll, I'll, I think all the film is done well. And I think there isn't really a, ter- there is no bad part. Quite frankly, there isn't even any okay part in the film. It's all good. But truly, I think that the last 30 minutes plus the Archibald Graham section is perfect. I'm talking perfect, perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'd say uh, one of my one of my favorite scenes, just one of them is probably the last um, last scene or so when uh, Ray is playing catch with his dad, Johnny. Um, overall, though, I'd probably just say when they're just playing baseball, and they're just enjoying themselves out there, you know. And um, another one that kind of pops out to me is when Shoeless Joe Jackson just like appears on the field, you know, and they um, they go out there to see him, and like uh, Shoeless Joe is just kind of like amazed at his surroundings and what what there is, and that's where like the, obviously the uh, the heaven and Iowa quote comes in. Um, but I think that was just a cool part, you know. Um, and then obviously Ray starts like uh, hitting him uh, some uh, pot flies and like some baseballs and pitches to him and stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool too. I like when he says, yeah, "Check yeah. out my curve." Yeah, yeah. And he hits it. It hits <laughs> Anyways, it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, there's something that should be said about. It's cool. The, the film does a great job, and Johnny, you kind of pointed this out with some of your favorite scenes of making you feel very, like, it makes you feel like, the film makes you feel like you're around these characters, like you know these characters, even though you've only been around them for, like, in case of some of your favorite scenes, like, less than a minute. But you seem to have this, they seem to have this aura, and they seem to have this personality that makes you feel like you've known them for, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah. I would say my favorite scene is the catch, I've already met some of these scenes I've already mentioned all of them I have for me my favorite scenes are the catch with his dad and the catching with his dad and when he meets when he's in Archibald's office and he says that quote that stranger's quote that, that quote just always hits me I, I just always think about it when I think about this film it's just I mentioned it before but it's deep yeah. it's deep it really is it really is we obviously, and people, you might be thinking, why aren't you saying anything negative about this film? This film's amazing, and Johnny and I, we should have said this earlier, but we're obviously biased for several reasons. Johnny, you love baseball, and there's just, you, you know. You just love the movie. You just love the movie. Yeah. We kind of mentioned that one gripe about the, the girl, but you kind of pointed out a good rebuttal, and I'm thinking, that probably actually makes sense. But I, I would honestly invite anyone to come on this podcast, watch the film, and tell me, What's wrong with this film? Like, give me a bad moment where you're like, this does not work in the film. I challenge someone who's ever listening to this. I challenge them. Come on this podcast and tell me otherwise. What else was I going to mention? Oh, that's right. The monologue with James Earl Jones. What My yes. all-time favorite monologue is really good. Talks about people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Just so yeah, iconic. This whole speech he gave. Kind of stand up, yeah. That, that was the whole part where I said that's in a... It's in a commercial. Apparently, it's in a car commercial, it's right? In, Is that what you I, said? I think it's car. Don't don't quote me on that. But it's in uh, it's in some commercial, and he says those same. It's like a, also like a baseball commercial as well. He says that exact like quote um, in the commercial, and it's the same guy. Obviously, they reference referencing Field of Dreams, of course. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's the same guy, and his voice is very recognizable. Um, like you said, Darth Vader, right? Yeah. Yeah, he plays Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Um, and then, uh, for me, I mainly recognize him as uh, Old Man Myrtle in Sandlot, another good baseball movie. My favorite one. But anyway, this is the speech. Yeah, I, well, first, before I go on, I'm going to read the full speech because I feel like it, mm-hmm. and it's always fun to, to say it. But, yeah, I did. I had no idea that was a thing. I mean, it's a very marketable thing to do for yeah. a for a car company or baseball or whatever you said. I mean, yeah, I, I just, like I just said, I, I recognize his voice, not because uh, Star Wars, but the guy in Sandlot. 
He's also in Sandlot, yeah. Myrtle in Sandlot, yeah. Um, uh, the guy that lives behind their whole Sandlot dirt baseball field. And so that's like, that's mainly where I recognize him. That's another good baseball movie that we'll oh. we'll talk about at some point. My favorite, all time favorite. That's your all time. Fa- yes. Is that your all time favorite movie or baseball movie? Baseball movie. Baseball movie. What do you have? All time. Probably top three all time movies. Do you, do you know your all time favorite movie? <sighs> Probably not. Okay. Too hard to say. I'd have to think about it a little bit. You know, get back to you on it. For those wondering, Field of Dreams is my third favorite movie of all time. So, I, I favorite baseball movie, right? Really? Yeah, favorite so, baseball yeah. movie. The, the baseball movies that I've seen are Field of Dreams. Million Dollar Arm, John, you and I have talked about this before. Million Dollar Arm, Field of Dreams, Sandlot. I think that's it. But it's but I should yeah, say I've I mean, seen a lot more sports movies, um, and this did is you mentioned di- Moneyball. Oh right, I've seen Moneyball. You, you said good things about Moneyball before. You said yes, Moneyball is in my top. True story, yeah. True story, it's in my top twenty all time favorites. Moneyball oh, is okay. as well. It's like I. It's like you have a top twenty. I have a top fifteen, but I associate the money ball somewhere in the, if there was another five, it would be in there. Okay, fair enough. As a favorite sports movie of all time, this is definitely it, Field of Dreams, for me. Because people will be like, well, it's not necessarily a baseball movie. Well, there's ba- <laughs> A lot of it is baseball, okay? It's not like your standard sports movie, obviously, but there is sport in it. It is a sport. It is, a lot of it has, it, the base, the foundation of it. Based off baseball. Exactly. Yeah, in general. It's a baseball genre. Movie. Exactly. Say, yeah. Yeah. But here's the here's the monologue. I'm gonna read it because I feel like it. Ray, people will come. Ray, they'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're going, why they're doing it. Gotta use a deeper voice, John. Okay. Okay. Come on. They'll arrive at your. Do- I can't do a deeper I'm voice. <laughs> they'll arrive at your door as innocent as, as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course. We won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is the money they have and peace they lack. And of course, Mark, who's an idiot, he says, Ray, just sign the papers. Man goes back and says, and they'll walk out to the bleachers and sit in in short sleeve shirts on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled like an, ar- like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that w- once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. There it is. My favorite monologue of all Beautiful. time. Beautiful. Did, did, did you like my performance? Yes. Rate it out of ten stars. Uh, seven. Six or seven. That's fair. I had some hiccups. Ten, ten out of ten would be the deep voice. You know? Deep voice. Sound I didn't do the like deep voice. drones. And I kind of had some hiccups. Yeah. I'll take 7 out of 10. That's good. Johnny, thoughts on this monologue? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't got much to say. It's, it's unbeatable. It, it's just, I mean, he really speaks from his heart, I feel like. He does. And he does speak from his heart. I think that's what convinces Ray to uh, obviously not sign the paper. To give away the field and the farm. Mark, what an idiot. Yeah. You hate him, I know. I, dude, I have a personal vendetta against him. If he was a character in real life, oh, Mark. I would find his house. Um, no, I wouldn't. Just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's definitely all just true, too. I mean, he, Amer- baseball is America's pastime, you know. Uh, it's, what, it's what brings people together, though not everyone likes it. And tons of people find it boring. But I have to deal with that, and so it's okay. Well, the, and especially if you think about it too, that's one thing that kind of doesn't necessarily age well in this film is the whole baseball bringing people together. It's a that's my favorite monologue of all time, but unfortunately, it's not really as true as it was during the film, right? Because baseball has become less popular. That's a that's unfortunately a fact. 
Yeah, today, you mean? Today. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. I, honestly, I, I think I looked this up a few weeks ago or about a month back or so. It was like most watched sports. I think baseball was up there, though. Oh, it was. I think football was one. It was most most watched sports in America. It's not like it was, though. I think football was one. Maybe baseball was two. Honestly. Really? It, it was higher than you might think. Okay. Most people would think. Um, it didn't have it, one thing though. Is it didn't have the same like mystique and same aura in America and same value in America as it does today because partially because of the emergence of of football. NFL. That's true. I feel like I could totally be wrong, but that's I feel sense, I yeah. feel like that. I feel I feel that way. What was I going to say? But but yeah, the monologue is still great. Oh, that's right, Mark. While we're on the topic of Mark, Mark the idiot, the doofus. He he plays a, he plays a convincing role though. Obviously, because I hate him so much, he has to play a convincing role. I, and I also like how they the, he can't see the players. Because yeah, he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe. I mean, in in all like in all uh, reality here. I mean, all seriousness. Uh, I mean, if if I were if you were in his shoes or if I was in his shoes, you know, uh, if this was like a real life situation, I'd probably think they're crazy too. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like, well, I don't see it, or like you're just you're crazy saying that stuff. And then obviously if something happens, you can all of a sudden see it, and you're like. Oh wow! Like you're not so crazy anymore. It's kind of one of those situations, you know. You see some time in movies and TV shows. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you can't blame him, right? Like, I mean, he's trying to do a good thing, I guess, in a way, for them, but not really. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. I I'd say he's not like great, but I don't say he's that bad, you know. I mean, you just hate him. You fall, <laughs> you just hitting on him all over the place. But I mean, you got to understand where he's coming from, right? I understand where he's Dude, coming why from. Why would you build the baseball field right here? There's no one playing. And, like, you see them watching the game on the little bleachers, and you're like, what? What are they doing? Like, yeah, you know? So, I, don't I, know. I see where he's coming from, and he does have good points. He is, he is, he is looking out for his sister. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely think logically speaking that's the right move. But the like the way he says it just loud and obnoxious and it yeah, just he's gets really me. Pushy. He is, that's good that's good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's really pushy. Yes. But he has a great he has a great scene. The, the scene with him realizing all this is great. It's so seamless and clean, right when Archibald comes over to help the yeah. girl, he then realizes it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cuz he saw the doctor, he saw him come out of nowhere because, like, he obviously saw him once he turned into the older guy. And I guess once he believed that and he saw that, that must have been, been what caused him to see everyone else, right? Because then he's like, oh, where did all these ball players come from? It's like, they're the whole time. He has a great reaction to it, right? He's kind of like, yeah. don't sell this. Don't sell this farm. Right? <laughs> don't sell this farm. Don't right? sell the farm. Right? Don't sell it. And he's just kind of like in shock. And, and his wife. Tells Ray's wife tells her brother, go, go inside and get some coffee or water or whatever it was. Don't sell the farm. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was that's a good little scene. It is. It is a good little scene. I really, dialogue. I really liked it. I got a funny story for you, John. Okay, go for Here's it. All up. Say so. Uh, obviously, Shoeless Joe Jackson. You know, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people know of him. Um, but so. When I was growing up uh, back home, um, well, there was this park nearby our house, and like a little public park, but like in like kind of a private neighborhood, um, pretty decent, decently sized like park, uh, and there was like a kind of by this big pine tree in the park, there was like this headstone looking thing, and it it looked like like a headstone, just like you know, imagine a headstone but without like the names on it and stuff, like, it looked like one, um, just kind of randomly by this tree. Um, still don't really know what it is to this day. But anyways, when I was a kid, um, and my siblings, when we were all young, my dad used to joke with us and say that that was Shoeless Joe Jackson's grave. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, kind of a funny little 
story, but uh, we were, we were like young. We believed him, and like that's fun. No, I didn't know who he was at the time, and my dad was like, uh, I think I don't know how how he described Shoeless Joe Jackson to us, but that was kind of like it. We just I thought I was thought like as little kid, like it's pretty little, that like some guy was actually buried there. His name was Shoeless Joe Jackson. And so it's kind of That's funny. a charming story. Yeah. I like it. I know. Well, on the same train of thought as death, as a weird train of thought that is, unfortunate train of thought that is, with Doc Graham, we were taught, obviously, he's my favorite character in the film. Those Remember those guys, Johnny, that were, well, for those that are following along and have watched the film, which if you haven't watched the film and you're listening to this podcast, I'm not quite sure why, quite frankly. Really, I'm not quite sure why. But those guys in the bar that Terrence Mann were interviewing about who Doc Graham was, they, there was a real Doc Graham in real life, a, guy, yeah, a real guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, a real guy. And those guys were his friends. And they were te- and those guys that were, being, that were in the bar telling Terrence Mann about who Doc Graham was, those were his real friends. Real life friends. Real right? life friends in, the, in, yeah. in real life. And they were telling him all these stories which were true about him and who he was as a person. And I just find that really another wholesome bit in this film. The, uh, the wholesome levels and the charm levels are absolutely off the charts with this film. Again, if anyone wants to fight me, or if any, well, not fight me. If anyone wants to come argue with me about a bad part in this film, I'm literally all for it. Also another interesting little bit, Originally, this film was going to be titled Shoeless Joe Jackson, or Shoeless, Shoeless Joe, Shoeless Joe. But test audiences were like, yeah, that just sounds like a homeless a guy. Hobo. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a hobo. I saw something about that too, yeah. 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 And so they changed it to Field of Dreams. Thank God they did. <laughs> oh, I don't think it just would I don't think it, it would. It wasn't also supposed to be called Dream, Dream Field? That was, the, that yeah. was the original name of the book. Book, okay. That was the original name of the book. But then the book was changed for Shoeless Joe. Mm-hmm. Aren't, I, that title, I feel like, definitely works for the book, but not for the movie. I don't know yeah. why. It just kind of feels like that. Field of Dreams is, I feel like, one of the best movie titles possible. Like, yeah. ever. It's one of my favorite. It's just a cool it, movie it, title. It fits, you know. It, it fit, well, it Easy. fits the film, but I think it's just one of the greatest movie titles ever in general. Mm-hmm. It just has that satisfaction saying it. Field of Dreams. And... What of course it associates with in the film, perfection. Now here's another fun fact. Okay, um, give me another fun fact. The movie, obviously being in like a real like outdoor setting, um, they had to wait on the corn to grow at a certain height to film the movie because they wanted the corn like to be perfect, like for the scenes and everything. So they had to like time the um, like time it right, like time of the year. Um, to where the corn was like at its full like height and grown, they had to wait. Adding on to that, did you know that it got so tall, it got tall enough to where they had to put boxes down for Kevin Costner to stand on? Yeah. Hey, you did know that. Taller than him. Taller than him. Jeez, you are killing me with trivia today. There's so much stuff that you're telling me that you know that I don't. Yeah. Thank you. But I, I still got some stuff in here, so it's all good. Yeah, no, I mean, just be going off that, uh, they had to wait so long, get the corn. Um, it, like, it worked out well because uh, briefly before uh, they casted Kevin Costner to be in this movie, Bull Durham had just gotten over with. So... Uh, Movie Bull Durham that Kevin Costner's in another baseball movie, the all the another filming, good baseball movie from what yeah, I've heard. All the filming for that, um, and like uh, when the movie came out and everything, they started filming or filming Field of Dreams uh, shortly after it. So hmm. originally Kevin Costner was not going to play the main character. It was not going to be in the movie at all because they thought it would be too soon because he just did another baseball movie. But it turned out he wanted to, and it all kind of worked out. <laughs> well, so, good thing but, he did. But he, uh, yeah, he went from one movie to another, both baseball movies, really fast. Because B- Bull Durham is is a well known sports movie, a well known movie overall, and largely it's agreed upon to be a good movie. But Field of Dreams is 
so much more iconic in yeah. many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. It's one. There's a reason there's a Field of Dreams game, right? Oh, yeah. There, the, well, that's another thing we should mention for those that don't know. The first ever Field of Dreams game. Yankees versus White Sox. Was played. What a game. And that was a good game. Wasn't it? What was what was the score? Was it like nine eight? Nine eight, I think. Or is this maybe eight seven? One of the two. Okay. Um one run game. Walk off home run. Tim Anderson. Off of Zach Britton. I remember it. Well, good game for a cool setting. So oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. As a Yankees fan, I was sad. That's fair. But you know, uh the game got like most viewers ever for a baseball game, maybe. Really? Something like that. Uh, the tickets were, like, more expensive than any, any other baseball game ever. And the whole like the whole place was filled, you know. Right. The tickets were super expensive, and so they made a lot of money off of it. And, well, and also the stands weren't that big, too, Yeah. obviously, because they had to bring all this stuff in. Mm-hmm. And we should also preface what we're saying by mentioning that this wasn't played on the OG field. The OG field location, it was played like an acre or two down, about an acre away, probably even a little less than that, because obviously for reasons they didn't want to mess up the field, the OG field, and yeah. put all those big stands and equipment on it. So they, they, they played it like an acre or so down. They literally built another field. They did. Yep. But you can see from, if you look at a bird's eye view, you can see, oh, there's the original field and right, and a little yeah, bit over. They're about probably a mile or so away from each other. Yeah. That sounds same, about right. Same area. That, yeah, that sounds about right. So, well, before we finish up this conversation, Johnny, there's a few things on my notes we didn't get to that I do want to briefly mention. The opening montage we discussed a little bit, right? That's where we get the backstory of Ray, his father, his family, Ray's family, Ray's past life before the film. I tend to find those in plenty of other films a lot more cheesy and not as well done. You're like, okay, this is kind of like. All right, we get why it's here, but it's not really well done, or it kind of has some cheesy elements to it. This one really works. It it really works. No, it's there, there wasn't any cheesy. Oh no, no, no. And I think there would have, as I I keep harping back to you, but I think and I think there would have been if this movie was made today. This uh, this is one of those movies where I get, I get it. Yeah. yeah, this is one of those movies today where I feel like it couldn't be made. It just has today. several things to it. Yeah. With as far as where the sport of baseball was at the time and what movies looked like at the time. Yeah, I just don't think it could have been made. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. This movie went up for three Oscars, I believe. It went up for Best Picture, Best Writing, and I'm hoping Best Score. If it wasn't, that is literally a crime. (laughs) A literal crime. I'm looking right now. Nominated for three Oscars... Best Picture, Best Writing, and Best Music. Okay. And it didn't win any of those. Oh. That winning Best Score, that is kind of... Got nominated, though. Yeah. I got nominated. got nominated. Well, I'd have to see who... Let's see. Can we see who won the... Oh, we can. Okay. The Best Picture that year was... It was Driving Miss Daisy. That has not aged well. What's that movie? Exactly. Yeah. I haven't seen it. But the reason why I'm saying it hasn't aged well is because no one really talks about it. But people talk about Field of Dreams, I feel like. That's true. Field of Dreams. more people than that other movie. Yeah, Field of Dreams has aged a lot better than that one. That's for certain. I think from what I know and what I've seen of these movies, Driving Miss Daisy, the the (coughs) films that were nominated that year, Driving Miss Daisy, Dead Poet Society, My Left Foot, Born on the Fourth of July, and Field of Dreams, I feel like Dead Poet Society or Field of Dreams should have won that year. It's a good movie. I just watched that. Oh, Dead Poets? The other week. Yeah. yeah, that's a good film. I think, in all honesty, Robin Williams should have won the Oscar for that film for this year. He did a gr- I think he did a better job than... Well, I shouldn't say he did a better job than his performance in Goodwill Hunting. He should have got the Oscar for that one, and he did. But I think he definitely should have got the Oscar for Dead Poets. Yeah. And I think that the... Who did Phil, Phil Dreams also lost to Driving Miss Daisy for... Best writing, crime. I just got to see who won score real quickly. It, it didn't go up for cinematography. That I feel like that's kind of surprising. Can't win them all, right? Can't win them all. Who won best score? 
Glory did. Glory. Haven't seen that one. I know it's a good movie. Anyway, another a couple other interesting little tidbits on the performance of the movie in the eyes of the of critics well, and also viewers. The budget for this film was fifteen million dollars, and it ended up grossing eighty-five million, essentially eighty-five million dollars. That's a good, that's good money right there. Good outcome. Johnny, any other thoughts on Field of Dreams? Um, I think that it will it'll always be known as a very good baseball movie, uh, and good movie in general. Uh, and I mean today was. Or, you know, we've watched it over the past couple of days. Today we finished it. Um, but that was the first time I've seen it in, like, a few years. And I kind of forgot just how good it was, you know. Sometimes you just got to, like, rewatch movies every once in a while because you forget about them. You forget how good they are. Um, obviously, like, you heard me during it. I was like, this is such a good movie. You know, I'd make those random. Uh, I'd say that randomly in between the movie. Um, and so, no, I, I thought it was great. It's just it's all like a good, it's just a good story. Uh, um, what I would say, you know, uh, just like the very concept of the whole thing is just perfect. Like the concept of playing baseball in a cornfield, they just it's it's amazing. Um, and I think that's what really kind of sticks out to me more than anything else is just like, um, you know, like who obviously it's based off a book, but like. Who thinks about that? You know, like this is genius, and so that's mainly what probably my favorite thing about it all is. Um, is that you know, it's, it's literally the guy builds a cornfield or the guy builds a baseball field in a cornfield. Like this, and like people think he's crazy. His wife thinks he's crazy, and then like ends with his dad being there because that's the person. That's the he. If you build it, he will come. We ultimately find that out in yes. the end. We yeah. for a while we gotta wait the whole movie, but you know it's worth it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just say for me, mostly just that the whole the whole story um, is just good. It's just like the fact that it's still like I mean the place today, and uh, it's in Dyersville, Iowa. Like they still have the house, and obviously the original field is still there with all the lights, like. It's it's something that like is still considered popular today, and like it's it's like I don't even I don't know if it's like a historic site. Um, maybe it's not considered like historic. But they like, might they might have gotten it that I don't know. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Like those places that are just like called historic, like labeled. Um, but obviously, it's very like. Um, it, I mean, just in general, it's still historic. Like you know, the movie's so good and popular. And, um, was probably most popular back in the day, obviously when it came out. But you look at like how nothing's really changed today. People still like the movie. Everything's still there, the field and the house, and like it's all the same. And so that just like proves of how good of a movie it was. Is that um, all these things are still there, the same? Yeah. How about you? I don't know if I can top that ending right there. That was that's some good stuff from the heart there. Thank you. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but this film, I think, will always transcend time. Not necessarily because of the baseball stuff. Obviously, the baseball stuff contributes to it. But just the feeling that this film omits omits from itself, that comes from it. Of nostalgia, of charm, of just sweetness. And... It's so wholesome, and it's all about these different memories and different experiences from all these different people and all these different times coming together to resolve them and experience this together. It's so hard for me to put this film into words all the time for for most of it, but I think that's the best way I can describe it. It truly is something else. It truly is. Everything managed to work right. Right. It worked well. All the pieces came together for this film, and I hope that people see it, people of all generations continue to see it way down the road. That's one, that's one thing that I think will happen, is that it'll still be considered a good, good uh, overall movie in the future. Yeah. 
it's definitely one of the most has definitely some of the most nostalgia for a film I think elements of any of any film of any time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening, Johnny. Anything else you want to say besides the film? Is there anything else you want to tell tell anyone? Thank no? you for having me once again, John. Second I appreciate it. It's always good to have you. Thank you. It's, it's good always to good here. to have you. We had some great conversation on Field of Dreams in this podcast and college football on the last one. I'm excited to see you come on. I'm excited to have more memories on this podcast with you and get some of the other guys, of course, a part of Big Sky Small World to come on with you. We'll all talk about some other stuff. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This podcast might be my favorite one. I'm a little biased, of course, because Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies, but I think we had some great... I feel. Right, some great conversation. And yeah, we will catch you guys on the next episode of Big Sky Small World. Oh, wait, oh, wait. We should give ourselves an applause. I think it's only right. Since no one else can give us an applause, I feel like it's only right. That is it. We hope you enjoyed, and we will catch you on the next episode of Big Sky, Small World.